Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, MC Ashley, or Christian, however the heck you want to call me. Uh, let's see. I'm recording this a little later than I wanted to on this Saturday evening. Uh, it's just life got in the way. Again, family was back in town, so didn't want to give you, uh, you know, half the effort you deserve. So here we are. <clears throat> and unfortunately, once again, uh, the episodes from earlier have been delayed. Uh, this is mostly... Uh, Unfortunately, not his fault, but John was having to work some overtime, so he's not had a lot of time to prep uh, for my sake, doing something that, you know, I don't have anything to offer him right now monetarily, which I would love to, but that's just not the day it is today. So I just have to be patient, and I'm okay with that. I think I've said it before. I'm very grateful for what he does, so I'm not going to pressure him to, you know, exhaust himself on my behalf especially with something like this. So, moving on from that. <clears throat> oh, yeah, all that sugar from earlier. I definitely should not have that before I recorded. Oh, well, hindsight and all that. What have I been watching since we last spoke? Well, I finished Ultraman 80. I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh wasn't nearly the best series they've done. It wasn't the worst. I mean, I maybe a 7 out of 10 overall. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. <clears throat> And also, uh, I finished the entirety of Ultraman Towards the Future, which was like, whoa, you went from one to the other? Well, it only has 13 episodes. And I got to say, like, uh, the nostalgia was real. I was g- g- giddy like a little kid watching it all over again. It's like, ah, I recognize that monster. Ah, oh, that kaiju's amazing. And just hearing the Australian accents <laughs> was a lot of fun. <clears throat> So, I it I, I don't care critically what you think of it. Ultraman Towards the Future is a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have also watched the first two episodes of the one that was made concurrently or a little later. Uh, it's a little back and forth from what I've seen. It's like the reason Towards the Future didn't get a second season was because how poorly this series was handled. Um, <clears throat> and that was, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the ultimate hero or something like that for, for something, well, whatever it was. Uh, it's not as good. I mean, it's always going to be hokey when you get, you know, a guy in this red and silver and white suit fighting a guy in a giant kaiju suit. You know, but this one, the fight choreography is terrible. <laughs> it's like, you know, at a certain point, you just kind of like turn your brain off when you're watching Ultraman. It's like, yeah, I know it's two guys in suits fighting each other. Same thing when you're watching old Godzilla films. Because, you know, they in a play kind of feels real to an extent. But this one is super obvious. They don't know what they're doing. So I'm not looking forward to the rest of this one. Uh, I have, however, looked into Ultramantica, which is the next one uh, chronologically that takes place. And I'm loving some of the kaiju designs I've seen for that one. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Trying to see what else have I... Oh, I finally saw Eternals. And, yeah. Um, I can't remember if I said this or not. I haven't really been <clears throat> big on the movies Marvel has been putting out post-Endgame outside of uh, Spider-Man was good. Uh, oh gosh, what came after that? Uh, Shang-Chi was really good. 
But Black Widow and Eternals are kind of lackluster. Like I would have cared a lot more about, about the Black Widow movie if you know it had been done, you know, pre Infinity War. But oh wow, that's what we get. Uh, super excited about all the new news, about all the new series coming out. But as someone who's been looking at the leaks for so long, I knew they were happening. So you know, kind of as excited as everyone else since I already knew. But I do believe that that will be it for this evening. I don't think there's any any other business other than this will probably get released late too. So, oh well. <laughs> you're used to that by now. If you're hanging with us, you're like, well, I sure can't hear Christian talk about what I read two weeks ago. So our first series this evening for comics, we'll be doing comics and manhwa. I made the executive decision, you know, with the great planner that I am when it comes to this, how I can plan a book meticulously and this not i don't understand that's just organization in my life we'll be doing comics and manhwa so we'll start with comics uh the reason being is that manhwa uh one of these series solo leveling releases on wednesdays and since you know i wanted to keep the manhwa together that's what i did there we go but we will be starting this evening with the amazing spider-man issue 78 beyond chapter four this is written by Kelly Thompson, who I believe was is one of the writers on Captain Marvel right now. Uh, it's also drawn by Sarah Pacelli, Jim Toe, and Nolan Woodard. Oh boy, this issue. Ups and downs. So we last left Spider-Man, or Ben Riley, <clears throat> in the guise of Spider-Man, uh, attacked by Michael Morbius, who has gone evil again, because that's what Morbius does. That's his character. Instead of any other thing we could do with him, let's just rehash everything. I may be mad. Uh, he had gotten been by the back uh, from behind and bitten into his neck. Uh, we see at the start of this issue, Spider-Man has managed to get away. Uh, <clears throat> he's still bleeding out and he's monologuing to himself. Uh, inner monologuing says, so this is not going great. And that bite went deep. So he was doing his job for the most part, but he definitely got through. Bleeding is actually bad, actually. It, uh, bleeding is pretty bad, actually. Suit so is self-sealing. Should stop the bleeding. Any second now. Still going to need an antidote or something. And he says that loud. Morbius, I still think we can talk this out, man. But Morbius has been very incoherent. And uh, Ben goes over how previously Morbius has tried to bite Peter before to try and make himself better. This has happened multiple times over the comics. Uh, I'm trying to remember in the last, what was a four-issue series that Morbius had? Because I think it was supposed to be more, but it got canceled. Uh, Spider-Man and him were working together, I think, using his blood as well. But yeah, that's about it. So uh, Ben gets the idea that... Well, if he's, he wants me, he's going to have to follow me. So he leaves to his apartment into the Beyond Building. And <clears throat> uh, what has been previously established is that, you know, only certain people can enter. So that means, uh, as he says, Morbius, stop. You were decidedly not invited. Get it? Yeah, I'm not in the mood for the jokes either, to be honest. But this security system is no joke. And where you are, excuse me, stay where you are and let me get you some help. And the system identifies Morbius. Because, I mean, I guess Beyond Corporation has a lot of info on everyone. And these kind of like almost octentical-like devices come out from the security system and fire him at him with these lasers. Maybe it's UV radiation, I can't remember. And slices off his left arm. And Morbius tries to get away. But he's about, uh, Ben is, passes out from blood loss. Which, oh, wow, he didn't take that much, really. <laughs> he that much of a lightweight Ben? Or maybe it's just the disease messing with him. Uh, Janine is there trying to, excuse me, wait, nope, let me remember names, not Janine, it's not Janine Christian, 
Oh, wait, it is. No, it is Janine. I always, I, every time, I get them confused. Oh, well. Yeah, that was that. Uh, asking for help for Ben. And we see some Beyond Corporation members, like, you know, take stuff away from the scene, like Morbius's arm. And Marcus is telling Janine to stay where she's at because, well, I, I think it's part of her parole for them getting her out. She has to stay there in her gilded cage. And she's definitely not happy about this. <clears throat> now, Spider-Man is on an operating table and they're using some machines to take his suit off piece by piece, looking at his uh, wounds. And we see Maxine Danger there. Oh, no, she's in a different room talking to them in the operating room. She says, he was fighting Morbius, Dr. Bailey. In that case, nurse, prepare the antitoxin, please. Doctor, what effects might we see if we don't administer the antitoxin at this time? Why wouldn't we give him the antitoxin? That's a good question, Doctor. That's a question, Dr. Bailey. I asked you for an answer. What might we see in Ben Riley if we do not inoculate him against Morbius's vampire virus? Uh, it's anyone's guess what we might see, but the risks are... I'm well aware that there are risks, Doctor. But there is risk in anything bold. Does that mean we stop being bold? And the guy behind her... Oh, excuse me. She says, will Riley develop entirely new vampire-based powers? Could it unlock new spider hybrid, vampire hybrid powers? This could be a research gold mine. And the guy behind her is like, oh my god. He says, what? Uh, nothing, ma'am. Uh, Dr. Bailey? He says, uh, we, we can't possibly know what would happen, Director Danger. It would be highly unethical to even speculate. And she takes a pause. She says, agreed. Proceed with the antitoxin. Keep me apprised of Riley's condition and notify me me when you begin to process the Morbius parts. B-team better be ready, Vasquez, because they're up. If they won't wear the Beyond gear, they have to take the drones with them. No arguments. So before we continue on to my next scene, well, it's fairly obvious to everyone, Beyond Corporation's a little shady. So that's a huge, very awful thing if they can somehow weaponize Morbius's unique vampirism. Because he's not fully vampiric. Um, it's more science-based. It has been used spiritually and magically before like he's definitely crossed over with like the midnight suns and dr strange and all that uh but most of the time it's been scientifically based so maybe he's only in this issue because he's got a movie coming out sometime soon who knows whatever not a big jared jared leto guy myself but that's irrelevant so we move over to the mccarthy medical center where we see black cat coming in to check up on peter he says so oh, spider come back to me spider and she's talking softly and mary jane is outside the room and she notices Black Cat in there. But then Peter starts waking up. And Black Cat says, Peter, Peter. Mary Jane comes in and says, Peter, Peter, come on, Tiger, wake up. You can do it. Then he closes his eyes once more and goes back to sleep. And MJ and Black Cat are looking at one another. Black Cat says, I'm sorry, I'll go. And MJ says, no, you should stay. It's the first time I've seen a move since this started. I'm sorry. Don't be. I'll take that. However I can get it. I'd feel the same way. But change your clothes before a nurse comes in here. Felicia says, oh yeah, okay, uh, yeah, good tip. And Mary Jane's holding Peter's hand and says, come on, Tiger, I know you're in there. How many more love interests you want me to get in this room? I'll do whatever it takes. So this is a really good scene between MJ and Felicia. Like, they buried the hatchet forever ago um, in, our, in real time. So I don't like it when writers bring them back to be openly hostile towards each other. They're not like friends but they can be friendly towards one another. And I like to see that they both mutually are coming together over Peter's welfare. <clears throat> so we move over to oh, this scene. Uh, Misty and Colleen Wing, uh, both fighting Morbius, who does not have his left arm anymore, and trying to, they're fighting him on 
on corporation and they're monitoring the situation like to see what could happen and even though morbius is stronger than the both of them together unless i don't think no neither one of them from what i understand are mystically empowered to that extent i mean colleen's just a really good martial artist misty has learned martial arts over time he has she has a bionic arm from i think tony stark gave it to her and they take down morbius in this fight and managed to capture him once again until actually get to the good part of this scene. I believe she goes by Spectrum now. Uh, Spectrum, Monica Rambeau appears, says the ladies. They say, Monica, it's about time, girl. Uh, and she had destroyed the spy drones that were watching uh, them as they were watching over Morbius. <clears throat> and uh, Monica says, not to cut through the chit-chat, which I love, but Beyond surely has a replacement drone en route immediately. Okay, already, we must be quick. What have you two found so far? That is something I did not see coming, which I'm very appreciative that this is happening. Um, because uh, Monica, uh, I think she was, was she going by Photon at the time? Uh, when Next Wave was happening, what was that, 2006, 2007, I believe, from the research I've done? So she's obviously got a vested interest in, you know, what's beyond doing, what are they all about? So I did not see her coming into this series, because, I mean, even though she was introduced as Captain Marvel in uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16, and then later she joined the Avengers, uh, she and Spider-Man had not really had that much of a relationship, uh, although they were on the same team when he was on the Mighty Avengers and uh, when Blue Marvel was on the team as well. So, <clears throat> so yeah, like I said, a, a pleasantly surprised to see her here. It makes total sense why she would be working together. She has prior history with both Misty and Colleen, if I remember correctly. So, really nice. So, Ben and Janine are both out on the date, so maybe I was wrong about that probation thing. Oh, well. Uh, so about talking about, you know, <clears throat> you know, their hopes and dreams, you know, how much they love each other until we flash over and see the clone who survived the events of Hunted of Craven the Hunter. Say, ah, how sweet. But those crazy kids should probably make that a goodbye kiss. Okay. To be continued. So. Oh, that's right. We're getting two issues. I don't know if it's the same next week, but there's going to be a 78 uh, point beyond is what they did for the hunted and last remains and all that and then 79 as well so i think the beyond part is focusing on misty and colleen and 79 will be a continuation of the story so uh, how'd this go uh mixed feelings I-, I gotta say that once again i hate how they're handling morbius i mean i mean without explaining why he's like this again it's just like well it's morbius so that's what he does and ben is being played for a fool and He's not naive, necessarily. He doesn't have as much experience as Peter does, obviously. So I think he should be more suspicious of what's going on, but obviously right now I didn't really have the time. And I really don't think he overheard what Maxine was saying, because I think he was out. So shocker, shocker, you know, well, not that shocker. Uh, Beyond Corporation is uh, nefarious. Maybe not evil, per se. More like, well, let's just see what we can weaponize, uh, make a profit off of it. So there's that. Uh, once again, really love the inclusion of Monica in here. Uh, uh, due to her prior experience with the Beyond Corporation and using Misty and Colleen as moles, excellent idea. Love it. So I do believe that we'll move on to our next comic, which will be Miles Morales, issue 32. I don't believe I remember the title for this. Uh, this is written by Saladin Ahmed, 
and drawn by Christopher Allen. And last issue, Starling on a date with Miles was captured by the Taskmaster. And wow, I, I'm I don't know how I feel about Starling yet. Uh, I want to say she's okay. It's obviously not, she's not the greatest character in the world. And the connection with the Vulture, I, I had mixed feelings when I started, but now I'm more positive on the idea. I mean, but her and Miles dating, I mean, I don't know who Miles should be with at this point. He's had, like, what, five different relationships? There's no clear Mary Jane Watson in his life. So anyways, moving on. Uh, as she's being, ca- uh, in the midst of being captured, she's recounting how, you know, she had used the wings that uh, Adrian Toomes had given her to fly, loving the feeling, that exhilarating moment. But right now she can't. And Taskmaster, being an absolute jerk, is feeding some birds, some doves, it looks like, or seagulls. Yeah, seagulls. <laughs> As she's waking up, says, oh, finally waking up. And she says, yeah, waking up to kick your butt as soon as I get out of this. Just, that's not going to happen. Spider-Man said you only go after people for a fee. So if there's a price on my head, why don't you just kill me? Client's very particular. Once you're alive, wearing your, wearing your wings, delivered at a precise time. And thanks to the trouble you and your boyfriend gave me, we're already running behind. What, what client? Oh, you'll find out real soon. So we get minutes earlier. So Miles has been wounded in the attack, and he's wobbling his way through New York City, trying to figure out where she could be. And he collapses, kind of like the only thing holding him up being one of the poles on the street. And we see some paramedics walk up and stop him from moving. He says, you know, you're not going to save anybody if you can't walk. Let us help. In his inner monologue, Miles says, I knew I'd black out from pain if I didn't let them patch me up. But every moment I sat there, Taskmaster and Starling got farther away. I didn't even know where to start looking for them. Then one of the EMTs said, we all need help sometimes, brother. And I remember that I didn't have to do this alone. Well, when you're right, you're right. Thank you. Mind if I make a quick call? I remembered how to ask for help. And we see him contacting Ironheart. Uh, Riri, Riri is one of those characters when it, she was first introduced, I really didn't like. She just had this smug aura about her that, uh, uh, what other characters? She's like, I just can't stand it. It's like undeserved at the start. It's like, you know, compared to like, you know, Tony Stark, who has, you know, years of experience under his belt and like years of getting the way he wanted when he was first introduced, like, just having his way. Like it makes sense for him to start that way. And from her upbringing, from what I'm remembering, remembering correctly, because it's been forever since I've read those comics, I don't really get the same sense that she could come. Like you can be naturally. I mean, I am naturally prideful uh, immensely. So to my own detriment all the time. And it can be undeserved too, (laughs) especially with me. But, like, it just came in, like, I'm better than you. It's the way, like, the new moon girl is. I don't really, I can't really jive with her either. It's like, in, in, a, in a different way than, like, Amadeus Cho, who is, what do you always say, like, I'm the self, seventh greatest intellect on the planet. And, like, and then you see, oh, well, he earns the title by what he's done. So, I mean, I no, don't know what point I'm trying to make here. Like, I'm not being on Ironheart. But through through some of the champion series I've read, I, I've gotten more positive on her. 
And I do like how she's included in this with her and Miles working together as he's explaining the situation to her. And instantly, well, not instantly, like pretty much instantly, she's figured out where Starling is held. And that's a great way to include her. Uh, once again, I'm more positive than I was. I don't mean like I hate this character so much, and you should too. It's like, no, introductions, first impressions matter, and the first impression kind of sucked. So moving on, uh, Starling is continuing her monologue, uh, saying it didn't take me long to learn to fly. Grandpa Adrian said I picked it up twice as fast as he had. This was before I learned he was a murderer. I remember telling him that I felt like I belonged in the sky. He said, the sky is exactly where you belong. Don't let anybody tie you down. I don't know who put a price on my head. Tombstone, one of the traffickers I brought down, one of the vulture's enemies. Doesn't matter. Taskmasters left my suit on. Some kind of trophy for whoever's hunting me. Thinks they're just wings. Probably doesn't know it has a built-in strength-enhancing fiber and micro-motors. And she uses it to get one of the wires kind of loose. She says, he's about to learn. It's a really good moment for her. Right here. So, uh... Who hired Taskmaster to get her? Uh, my guess is the Vulture for some reason. Maybe he wants to start including her in the family business. Or, uh, or I, I can't remember if she's tried to contact him or not throughout this whole ordeal. I want to say they're kind of sort of estranged ever since she found out he was actually a villain. I'd have to reread the series for that. My other guess is that it uh, to coincide with uh, the Amazing Spider-Man is Craven, and he's hunting her as well. I mean, he always hunts animal-themed heroes. I mean, he hunts heroes in general, but it helps if you're animal-themed. And well, she's got the wings. She and she's named Starling. So those are my guesses. I think the ones she's thinking are red herrings. So Miles, as he's uh, swinging by one of the bridges, says, "When I call, caught up with Taskmaster, Riri was right. I didn't like it. He's hiding out on one of those nasty old barges." And uh, Riri had figured out he was being mobile uh, through a tracking system. I forgot to say that. Forgot ton. It was too far to jump, and there was nothing to swing from. I was freaking out. Then I remembered Mind Spinner launching himself into the air with a controlled venom blast when we fought on the Brooklyn Bridge. And this was one of the clones of Miles in his mini little clone saga thing. And actually, it looks kind of similar to what was done in the game. So I don't know if Miles has done this before in the comics, because... Uh, in the game, you could uh, enhance his skills by being able to use the Venom Blast to project yourself forward even faster. And that is exactly what he's doing here. And Miles continues in thought, and sometimes when I'm freaking out, trying to protect people, I get stupid. <laughs> feel you there, man. And he manages to make it. Uh, and Taskmaster, in the background, says, yeah, you made it. I don't got time for this, kid. I'm on a schedule. Miles says, yeah, might want to change that RSVP unconscious and webbed up with a charming note. Nah, I can see that little warning system buzzing in your head, pal. Watch the other Spider-Man enough times to know how to get past it. And they're going back and forth, Miles using his Venom Blast to try and hit him. Uh, Taskmaster using one of his, his signature sword. Managed to get Miles and like the right shoulder says, gotcha. Miles says, God, it hurts. His arm's paralyzed, huh? Learn something from your Venom Blast. Mix it up with a little daredevil action. And Starling has managed to get out of her bind, says, you like watching people scrap, huh? Well, I'm about to give you something to watch. And she hits him from behind. 
and Taskmaster says, those th- things might be bulletproof, but a sword at the right angle, and he slashes down on your wings, will cut right through. And Starling's kind of clipped uh, from the attack, and, and Taskmaster goes, what? What the wait? No, as he hears uh, bing, bing, bing from a, an alarm going off. And Miles asks, is, this, is that your phone alarm? He says, yeah. Time's up. And he sheathes a sword. This was a very specific contract. Delivery by midnight or null and void. My phone runs constant, hyper-precise ETA recalculations. There's no way to make it to the client now with all the time we wasted here. You little brats cost me a fortune. But hey, you don't got to worry about me coming after you again. No profit in it. As he starts uh, about to walk away. And Miles says, he's out of his mind. And Starling says, you think this is done? Who hired you, you money-grubbing pig? And he says, I'm not going to tell you that. I got professional principles, even if I am a money-grubbing pig. And you know what they say, if pigs had wings, they could fly. So you catch your kids later, as he has used his cloak to mimic her wings. And I got to say, not a big fan of this. I mean, so his, his power is to mimic uh, physical abilities of people, like... If he sees, you know, Spider-Man jump in a certain way, like, oh, well, now, now I know how to jump in that particular way. I wouldn't have been able to, to before. If he sees Captain America using a shield in a certain way, it's like, oh, yes. Well, if I deflect it at this angle, just like Captain America did, I can copy that, you know, so on and so forth. This is a little outside the box thinking. Maybe a bit more semantic thinking. So not big on that. And as Starling and Miles are like trying to figure out what they're going to do, uh, this weird flying ship appears, a uh, flying car, I should say, and a man steps out saying, unknown individual operating in an unlicensed, unlicensed capacity under the trademark name Spider-Man. We represent the Beyond Corporation in legal matters. This notice is to inform you that by operating as Spider-Man, you are violating our client's legally owned trademark. trademark. By law, you are required to relinquish use of the Spider-Man name and likeness immediately. Starling says, what is this nonsense? I says, I don't know. But you better believe I'm going to find out. And we align this to be continued in ASM 81. So that's three issues from now. So I do like the incorporation of what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man right now. It's, it's nice to have synergy between your comics. It makes it feel like a lived-in world. I mean, one of my favorite things back in the day was uh, when Inferno was going on in the X-Men comics, like every single... Oh, hit the mic again. There we go. There's our one for tonight. <laughs> when, when the Inferno was going on in X-Men, uh, like, you know, the Avengers had just broken up, and then you get uh, uh, Reed and Sue uh, and who else? Uh, Gilgamesh, uh, which is my introduction to the Eternals character which was okay in the film, but it was just an okay film. I can't remember if I talked about the... Getting off track as per usual. Uh, the end credit scenes. Uh, very good. Love what they're setting up with that. So moving... Uh, I also guessed that what character would be in one of them. I've forgotten about that until just now. <laughs> so, so anyway, my, my point, my point was that I loved the synergy. I, I loved seeing you know the Avengers dealing with that crisis, uh, a new team being formed there. Like Spider-Man had to deal with demons all over the city. Like the Hobgoblin made a deal with Nash Deer. Nash Deer, how the heck you pronounce it? 
Uh, I believe that was the Jason McIndale version. And then that lasted four years because of it. It's kind of like how after the Infinity Crusade, Doppelganger was around for so long. So I really appreciate when they do things like this. So enough me gushing about that. Uh, this was a good... Uh, then some minor quibbles. This was a good issue of Miles. Uh, hard to hate him. He's just a joy. And we will move on to our next series, which is Savage Avengers. Yes. Oh, Savage Avengers. I love you so much. Uh, issue 26. The Defilement of All Things by the Cannibal Sorcerer, Kulan Gath, Part 3. How could you not love a title like that? Which I'm very sad to say, apparently this is ending in a couple of issues, which I, I kind of get. Uh, I I'll wait, I'll wait, if I remember to talk about it. So this is written by, uh, and I'm going to butcher names, as per usual, is this, it's G-E-R-R-Y, so I'm going to say Jerry Duggan, Dugan. Then, uh, or maybe Gary Dugan, uh, GIF versus GIF, GIF all day, baby. Uh, this is drawn by Patrick Zerker and Jave Tartaglia. And we see, at the end of last issue, Conan had, uh, as he'd grown old, worked together with Kang to find a way to uh, fight Kulangath, who had taken over the world, had killed the Avengers, killed uh, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Daredevil, so on and so forth. We get narration. Old man Conan fought Kulan Gath for 329 beats of his massive heart. It was just over two minutes worth of drinking, cursing, and of course, fighting. Conan had killed Kulan Gath before. The wizard was simply returning the favor. And Krom did not care. Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing changes in Conan. Krom uh, does not care. Conan walked into the final wilderness. If he... He would wander forever, but encounter neither man nor beast. Kang measured the time and the beats of a heart. And he's using the uh, Rosebud 2, which is, uh, if you remember, uh, way back ago, I was uh, part of the Fantastic Four's arsenal with time machines. That two minutes may not sound like much, but to Kang, it was more than enough. And we get several decades earlier in our distant future. And Kang has taken on the appearance of Kulangath. Uh, it's done. But before I go, now that I've had a taste of you, Kang, you won't get far. When have you traveled to? Oh, wait, no. This is Kulangath as Kang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I get there, I shall bring you a gift. So I think in this timeline, Kulangath had already killed Kang and like taken on aspects of himself. I'm trying to remember it's all over the place. So he goes back in time. And we get back where it all began in the Savage Land. And Kulangath says, I bring unfortunate tidings. You have already been slain. Would any of you like to bend the knee in return for a quick and merciful death? And we see Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, and Kang the Conqueror there. And Kang says, I hope you both have the stomach for what this shall require. And Strange says, you will be surprised by the lengths I am prepared to go to the end Kulangath. <laughs> I brought Conan a gift of his future. Where is the Sumerian? Eh? And narration we get, Conan bought Kang two minutes. It was a full minute longer than he needed to assemble, to assemble the Savage Avengers. And Conan yells, "Today is the day you die, you fiend!" As he is dry, uh, riding a giant triceratops, and he slashes at Kulan Gath, uh, managing to draw blood. Conan says, "Give him no quarter." I must tell you, barbarian, you died begging for mercy, and and we get no doom has heard enough. 
and he rips off Kulangas' lower jaw. And he says, you know, Dumas had heard enough from false gods. <laughs> Only God Emperor Doom here, people. Doom will entertain any pleas for a merciful death. As we see Kulangas' hands start to enlarge, and strange says, the hands, the hands. King says, yes, I know. And before he can do anything, he can still cast with his free hand, the Crimson Bands, as Dr. Strange summons them to keep them in line. Kulangath, for your heinous crimes, we sentence you to... And Kulangath is able to redirect the spell back to Strange, who knocks him into Conan. So you dare to pass judgment on me? You are beneath me. And Doom says, Conan, the blade! But Doom, neither the best sorcerer nor warrior on the field. As Kulangath summons lightning to attack Doom, trying to take him down, and a Doom gas King, kill him. King says, You are nothing. But he is frozen by one of Kulangath's spells. Says, I am everything. If there's any consolation, you stood no chance. I consumed the power of Fumagorath, and I have toyed with my lessers for too long now. For, yep. Beg. And Doom, as he, uh, before this, he is using his magic. Uh, Kulangath is to rip the field around them, try and like put them down on the ground, but Doom is resisting. So Doom bends a knee to no one, magician. Conan says, come try to cut my neck. King says, strange. Strange says, the winds of Watum, and they both rise up using strange mag- magical powers to rise up on these rocks. You all know what matters now. It's worth all our lives. What lives? Kulangath asks, hitting them with, trying to hit them with these uh, eye blasts. You're the last four men I will kill with my hands before I cast this rock into the sun. But a portal appears right before his energy blast. Which is, ah, you did have a head start. And Kang appears and says, yes, enough time for me to gather another me. As we see the Black Widow, Magic, Black Knight, Juggernaut, uh, Robbie Reyes, I think this is Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, Elektra as Daredevil, and Wolverine. And Juggernaut says, two Kangs ain't your problem, handsome. The Juggernaut is, as he smashes into Kulan Gath. Knocking him back into a tree. You're all rats trapped on a burning ship. You've gathered from the from your corners of time to die together. The narration says the moment was at hand. The fate of the entire world rested on the tip of a single blade. Most of the Avengers did not know the plan, but they knew how best to play their parts. As Elektra, or excuse me, I should be calling her Daredevil. Daredevil and Wolverine both stab Kulangath from both sides. He says, pathetic, and uses his magic to like, kind of mess with the both of them, repel them from himself. He says, behold, as I destroy the world beneath your feet. Wait, I sent something. As Strange is holding on to the dagger. He says, the stink of Shumagorath. How is that possible? Oh, wait, or is that one? No, yeah. As Strange says, he knows. Doom and drops the, the dagger. Doom grabs onto it and says, the knowledge will not save him. We see Robbie Reyes using... Uh, an undead dinosaur to attack him. Uh, but unfortunately, Kulangath hits it as Doom tries to warn him. Kulangath hits Doom's hand, knocking the blade away from his hand as well. But Magic saves it with a portal, says, I don't know what's so special about this knife, but I know just where to stick it. As she gets on close to him, Conan is attacking Kulangath from behind, Black Widow from the front with her venom blast. And Conan grabs him, says, Now! Magic's aim was true. The same dagger that provided the merciful end of Shumagorath found Kulangath's malignant heart. She stabs him right there, and he falls to the ground, his eyes flashing 
with magical energy says, this was your great plan? I'll be ascending from this plane of existence momentarily. And he gets back up and says, and I'm taking every life on this planet with me. So, I, either next issue or the issue after is going to be our last one. Which I'm disappointed by, but I understand if this is the only... It's, this is as long as the writer wanted the story to go. I'm all for it. You do you. But this addressed one of my biggest complaints about the series is that it's called Savage Avengers, but it's really just Conan. You know, with occasional guest appearances by other people. So bringing them all back together for the finale. Oh, chef's kiss. Uh, really looking forward to it. I think they're probably not going to introduce anyone else to this fight. I think what we have is enough. So yeah, that was Savage Avengers. So moving on to a surprise series on my part, which Venom number one. Um, I love Venom. Never really followed Venom that much except until King and Black started. So I, I'll get some things wrong as I go on here about what had happened beforehand. So bear with me there. This issue one was written by Al Ewing and Ram V. It was drawn by Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, and Alex Sinclair. So we see previously in The King in Black, Eddie killed Noel uh, with the help of the world and now has become the King in Black himself, which means he is in charge of all the symbiotes everywhere. Wasn't real big on that retcon, but you know what? That's what we're dealing with now. So here's the world we live in. He has now ascended into space leaving the symbiotes as a new way, in a new way to protect space, similar to what Flash Thompson was kind of doing when he was on the Guardians, and I think working with the Space Knights. So we open with, this is everything I was told not to do, as we see a SWAT team attacking the store. Don't get into any kind of trouble. Don't draw attention to yourself, and whatever you do, don't bond with the symbiote. And we will learn later that this is Dylan Brock, Eddie's son uh, from his wife Anne, who threw shenanigans, like I said, not 100% on all that's going on. So Dylan uh, is resisting, but we get 12 hours ago. And Venom, uh, Eddie Brock, is, uh, as the King in Black, is uh, tracking a distress signal. He says, my name is Edward Charles Allen Brock, and I'm the King in Black, the king of all symbiotes. I moved them here, I put them there. They go as I say, they do as I tell them. Call me Eddie, everyone does. Hey folks, nice night. As the other symbiotes say, hello, Eddie, or hail, Eddie. And the next instant, as fast as I thought, my mind has left my body and turned into theirs. Time is not a factor, not for me. And they're noticing that pirates are attacking the ship, so he sends his symbiotes inside, and he has named them after uh, members of the Beatles. So they've infiltrated the ship, he says, but it takes time. After Noel and the Dor Dormammu invasion, there's so much to be done. Uh, that's a reference not only to the King in Black, but what's been running through Guardians and Sword. I was going to cover them for the podcast, but they got canceled, I, and I knew they were getting canceled, so I decided not to. But Dormammu had invaded the galaxy, and it led to the Guardians and uh, Hulkling and Wiccan and you know the Shi'ar Imperial Guard and Sword to fight back against him. So there's that. Sometimes I lose track. I can't see any bodies, thank goodness. The crew must have made it to an escape craft. The pirates either, on my end at least. And one of the symbiotes says that they found him, and we see that they are scrolls. And the symbiote is looking down at them, 
And as uh, one of the scrolls is charging up his attack, he says, Vengeance for the Dead of Largo 4. And he says, I don't know that name, but I can guess the content. One of dozens of living worlds that symbiotes destroyed while under Null's control. It's no wonder symbiotes aren't popular right now. But like I said, that's why I'm out here. Flying the flag, showing my colors, letting the whole universe know that symbionts aren't, symbionts aren't the bad guys. That's right. Things are changing. Null's gone and we are Venom. As he takes down one of the scrolls. And he flashes over to Earth, where Dylan has been fighting. And apparently this is his fourth fight in two weeks. And he's talking to the principal and asking where his father is. He said, look, you did a lot of damage to this kid. Uh, this is unacceptable behavior. And Dylan leaves because they can't get in contact with Eddie. And Anna's dead still in this continuity outside of the Ultimate Universe. But that's a different story. As we see this uh, little cat who is possessed by one of the... A spawn of the Venom symbiote known as Sleeper, if I remember correctly. Uh, Asking him, hey, you want to talk about it? Oh, yes, it is. And Dylan says, what's there to talk about, Sleeper? He's like, like, Eddie is so engaged with everything going on. Like, he doesn't have time to come back home. So he's a little miffed. Uh, He's obviously acting out because of it. So Venom is continuing to attack on the uh, ship that was attacked by the space pirates. He says, thinking to himself once more, you know, talking about his mission, saying, no, Spider-Man would be proud. Dylan would be proud. Hell, I'm proud. I can admit that, right? I'm having a time of my life, except except that something's wrong here. I'm keyed up, anxious, like some hidden venom sense is going off for the first time, and I don't know why. It feels almost like I'm standing on the edge of a cliff, and someone's right behind me, waiting to push. And he hears a voice, and says, Eddie. There's a George's voice in my head. It sounds different. Frightened. Eddie, help. So I shift my mind to his body and take a look for myself. And I wish I hadn't. We're in the escape shuttle where the crew evacuated to. The pirates kept it from launching. And then something else boarded the craft. And we get this mysterious figure. Uh, kind of not really defined too well. Looks maybe uh, blackish skin. Uh, huge red eyes. And he is killed. These uh, wolf aliens don't know which particular race they are. Maybe they just made a lot for this. And it says a symbiote. The one I sent to check on them. Ringo called them. Ringo's murdered every soul here. I have a message from the future, Eddie. I wanted to make sure you listen. Who are you? Who is this? Is it Null? Carnage? Is this something new? Whatever this is, I can't move my mind into it. I can't control it. I can't stop it. I don't even want to touch it. Don't sit too comfortably on your throne, King in Black. Soon it will be empty. This is not a threat, not a warning, simply a statement of fact. You will not know the day nor the hour. You won't see it coming, Eddie. So say your goodbyes now. Talk to the people you love, Eddie Brock, your son, your other. Tell them to run. Tell them to hide. It won't make any difference. And the symbiote that he was using leaves and kind of like... uh gets you know, snapped away from my Avengers fans out there. And Venom leaves as well. Uh, going back home. Uh, waking up Dylan. Uh, telling him, hey, we, we gotta go start packing. And, I, oh, he had left the, the Venom symbiote behind on Earth to watch over Dylan. And he's asking you where he is, but he's, uh, Dylan says, I have no clue. And he's uh, dealing with all this, like, I don't want to go. 
and he gets a call over the phone and says, uh, wait, <clears throat> uh, listen to my voice, Dylan. It's me, Dad. I know he's in the house with you. I want you to say, never mind, I found what I was looking for. And he says this to the person who is impersonating Eddie. He says, all right, okay, that bought us some time. And so I need you to listen and please do as I ask. You can't leave with, uh, with that, Eddie. But, but why? Well, it's complicated. I know you're already packed. That's good. Your shoes are under your bed where you always leave them and forget. Go down the drain pipe like you do when you're sneaking out. Uh, but how? How did you know? Uh, because I'm your father, Dylan. How do I know I can trust you? You don't just trust yourself. And the fake Eddie is uh, going around, has found that Dylan has escaped. And Dylan's trying to blend in with the crowd. It's like the, being told, once again, don't bond with the symbiote. So Eddie has returned to Earth. And he's, he's going over with this mysterious being who had you know, taken over his symbiote was saying. And he gets a huge vision of the future. Saying that you know, I've become unstuck in time. And time is, is... And it continues. We get a vision of this, what seems to be maybe... Uh, a spawn of carnage saying its name is Bedlam which has it seems to be a symbiote uh, in red who has taken over this huge alien creature with a massive row of teeth and we get a, uh, Kang as well has appeared as he's seeing all these different points in the future says I tell you this is your oldest friend Edward you cannot win and it co completely confuses him as he gets a tall uh, call from Dylan explains like look you're in danger i don't really know what's going on so dylan tries to get to the hotel where eddie is at where they are under attack by what seems to be an army uh, of some sort doesn't it looks like it could be uh u.s but at the same point like there's like 50 million paramilitary organizations in the united states alone in the marvel universe so who knows as the venom symbiote appears before dylan and bonds with him causing him to break the rule Therefore, giving him a chance to escape in the midst of all this. And Dylan continues fighting. And Eddie, instead of being able to go home, is taken away somewhere where a gigantic being that I first thought this was like, what was his name? Uh, Ex Nihilo from uh, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers all that all time ago. Uh, but it's being says, I welcome you to my garden. Oh, so no, sorry. That's manga reading. I am uh, all over the place. Hey, don't try to talk. You've just reconstituted yourself from the available matter. You'll need a minute to get your bearings. This is your fir first step on a long, long road. But I'll be with you every step of the way. I am Meridius, my friend, and here, at the furthest end of all that is, I welcome you to my garden. So is Meridius friend or foe? Who knows? Uh, more than likely foe. So this was a real fun issue. Like I said, I am not up to date with everything going on in Venom. So this is kind of a jumping on point for me. And it did seriously you know, do that enough for me to not feel like I was completely lost. I mean, there was still some things I was kind of like, wait, when did that happen? Who was that character? But, you know, for the most part, perfectly fine. And now we will end our comics discussion to go into our manga discussion. So we get to Solo Leveling, Chapter 173. Uh, Sung Jin Woo is still attacking the, uh, I believe this is the Dragon Monarch. And Terry's is his name? Or maybe I'm confusing him with a different one. There's like nine or ten of them. Who knows? Uh, and Terry's saying, I must kill you for sure. As he leaves, 
uh, unleashes a huge blast on Sung Jin Woo. That seems to overwhelm him at first and creates this huge crater from the massive explosion. And as he's looking down, we see uh, Sung Jin Woo had used one of his dragons to escape. It says, Arise. As more of his army comes to fight against the monarch. And once again, one of the huge issues with this, with Manwa, is that there's a long gap in between pages of just, it's just pure action scenes, so there's no dialogue going on. So like, I like hurriedly going through them, like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And one of the hunters, uh, this the Chinese hunter, I can't remember his name, says, things like giants aren't much of a problem as long as we're not fighting at sea. Uh, we're in a different scene, I should say that. All the magic power over land is trembling. There are probably tens of thousands of hunters confronting endless numbers of magic beasts everywhere, especially since I can feel my whole body getting pricked by that magic power at this distance. Had they finally started over there as well? I believe he's noticing the power between uh, the fight between the two of them, Sung Jin Woo and uh, the monarch. As we go back to that fight, it says, the monarch says, are those good for nothing soldiers all you have? You sent your main force to the monarch of Iron Body and tried to fight me with these mere troops? And he notices a Sung Jin Woo trying to leave, and he chases after him, going through a portal only to find this was a trap. <laughs> and, he'd be, and he asks himself, have you already absorbed the troops of the monarch of Iron Body? As there is a massive army there uh, ready for him, he defeated the monarch of Iron Body's troops first and then came after me. Not a bad strategy. But you're being absurd, Shadow Monarch. You might have thought that I'd be the only one chasing after you, but you're wrong. These are the gates that the Monarch of Transfiguration, Yogamut, has prepared. We see more dragons coming out of this. By using these, I can summon as many of my troops as possible. Looks like I've completely crushed your plans. This misjudgment of yours will be the cause of your death. It's your loss. And Sung Jin Woo smiles. says, cancel summon. Why did you cancel all your summons? Don't tell me you've already given up. Well, after seeing this overwhelming difference between us, it's not strange for you to give up. And they stare down at each other. It, it, he realizes, wait, it can't be. You. And we get narration. Stored in Kamisha's runestone. And uh, I believe that was a giant dragon that was killed a couple of years ago uh, in the U.S. Uh, is a skill that's the worst enemy of the dragon race. And it activates inside of Sung Jin Woo. A roar from the soul incapacitates everyone and drops them into despair, regardless of whether they're allies or foes. Dragon fear. As he affects every single member of the army that just came to attack them. In a pretty epic panel. And the monarch says, I understand that the dragons can't move, but did he manage to render Yokomut incapable of moving as well? Sung Jibu says, follow me. Could it have all been for this moment? As the two face each other down, once more, and they disappear from the sight. And the monarch says, this is, and Sun Jin Wu finishes, a place on the opposite side of the world from where your army is. Well, on all that war would be more advantageous to you if you had that many troops. It would also eat up your magic power much faster. Your plan to bring me here alone is an amazing strategy. Is that your castle? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, that's right. Considering that it belongs to the Shadow Monarch, it's not that impressive, even so. I thought that castle would be perfect to commemorate your death, Sung Jin Woo says. So this fight would be about whether I can last until my troops find me or not. And they stare down at each other once more. And that is the end of the chapter. So, not a lot of substance in this one. Um, solo leveling, like I read it, 
for the power fantasy part, not the most engaging thing in the world. It's just good fun. And then moving on to Tower of God, chapter 509. Yep, 509. I I can't remember if these actually have chapter names or not. Oh, well. So White and Bomb are continuing to fight. White is noticing the black orb behind him. Uh, Ari is asking, what? What is that? It's as if he's trying to destroy everything. Uh, Bomb using the power that he had gained from being uh, obliterated by White. But not only that, but the souls from inside of White were leaving in this thing. The souls that were hiding in Abyss are climbing up in groups. Is it to get revenge against White who killed them? Probably not. It's to not get eaten up by... Uh, eaten up completely by a bigger power. They keep climbing. So they're not afraid of White anymore. They're afraid of Bomb, which is why they left him behind. White's asking, what's this? The Shinsu is covering the ceiling like a cloud. And I can't remember if we discussed this or not in our last episode, but Shinsu is kind of like the key of the series. So, you know, your Nin or your, your Aura, so on and so forth. But the energy overflowing from that orb is even changing the Shinsu in this space. The Shinsu that became heavy after covering the ceiling is pouring down. Shinsu is raining. So it seems like Bomb is, ape, is somehow able, with his powers, to like solidify this pure spiritual energy around him. And it increases the power of uh, the length of his wings as the black orb appears in his hand. It spreads out his hands further, creating this arc of black energy around him. And White is struggling against the mass of it. So it's coming. And he tries, tries to strike it with a sword. So it divided. As it continues to fight him over and over again. So, but just how much more are you going to pour out? He's barely able to stand at this point. Like his sword is the only thing keeping him aloft. And I've got to admit, that guy now is stronger than me. This, which is huge for White. Which is how uh, he is, I'm thinking he's the greatest person in the whole of the tower. So it's nice to see him admit when he's not down. I don't think he's out of the fight just yet, but it is nice to see bomb getting uh, what he deserves from his opponent. And we move over to Coon, uh, who is still fleeing away from mouse. He's saying I'm a supporter originally, but I lost the time for that. If he gets to take the mouse, it's the worst. I should go myself. So he's using himself as bait. Mouse is continuing to look after him trying to find him, and manages to track down his uh, spiritual signature. Kun says, great, I made it. If I catch the mouse, I, c- I can go out to the field. And he's noticing uh, part of the game they're supposed to play is this kind of obviously cat and mouse game, and he's supposed to catch the mouse. Uh, and he's, he's managed to locate it, but mouse, that's going to be difficult. The character mouse has found him. Did you think I couldn't find you? I'm going to eat you, you tiny blue rat. <laughs> Which Kuhn is not a rat. He's a turtle. We all know this. Uh, thanks to the great Rack Wraith, uh, Wrath Razor. <laughs> what a great name. Uh, but before that, he is saved by the sudden appearance of a spear. And Kuhn is completely surprised by this. Uh, as it is impaled, uh, Mouse says, ah, I can't move. We get a voice say, I was, wondering around, I was wondering around to catch a mouse, but I didn't expect to catch the boss rat. Were you surprised? You seem to be in danger. Sorry. Is the heart okay? It didn't drop, did it? And Kuhn has this look of astonishment on his face, saying, you're 
Hi, younger brother. Coon family. Uh, excuse me. That, that's a coon saying that. And then the other person says, I am Asensio. And that is the end of the chapter. So, a uh, huge development. I, I can't remember if we've seen Asensio before in the series. Um, I think it's continuing the theme of him being named, of uh, them being named for like uh, overseas football players, what well, football is in soccer. Yeah, I just typed it into the wiki, and that's absolutely right. Uh, he's named after Marco Asensio. So has he been mentioned before? Let's find this out together. Oh, he had previously cleared the Hell Train. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. Okay. So he was mentioned before during the Hell Train arc. So that was part two. We're now in part three of Tower of God. God help us at chapter 500 something. <laughs> Is he trying to beat Oda? Who knows? So yeah. Tower of God. Very fun this week. Uh, so the leveling as well. Not too much I want to discuss on these. I think they're just fine as is. So I think I'll be ending the episode here. And with that, thank you once more for tuning in. Uh, you can find us on StarvingWritersGuild.com uh, if you'd like to join us. Uh, Find our material, find a way that we could possibly help you edit one of your books, or maybe bring you into contact with uh, the ideas of how to uh, independently publish your own work. Uh, we are MC Ashley, John, uh, me, John Alexander, and Barbara Page. You can also find our work on Amazon under those very same names. Slowly but surely, my works are actually reaching the front page for when you actually search my name. It's a miracle. After all this time, and I believe, well, poor John is having to deal with Alexander Hamilton, who always shows up before him. <laughs> and with that, I do believe we are done for this evening. So until next time, see ya.